are listening to Confessions of a High School Bible Teacher. Hey everybody, this is Christopher Seals, and across the table from me is... Wayne Randolph. And that makes this Confessions of a High School Bible Teacher. Wayne, how are you doing on a Thursday like today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I got a little vacation ahead of me. Uh, we're leaving tomorrow for the mountains. So Going to the large bear? The large bear. Yeah, going to Big Bear with the family. So I'm excited, man. Nice. How about you? Thursday morning. You already Thursday worked out. You're sweaty. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Um, sweat plus air conditioner means oh. comfort. means living in Southern California. Yes. <laughs> um, we have a it, hot topic today, huh? We do. <laughs> hey, um, have you ever played football? Yes. Um, when I say football, I mean soccer. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. The football. Like, yeah. are you a footballer? In my mind, Chris. I think it's the greatest sport ever. Do you have a favorite footballer? Yes, I'm on the bandwagon. I I really like... Ronaldo. Ibrahimovic. I lo- Actually, I love Ibrahimovic. He's probably my favorite. But no, probably Messi. Yeah. I love Messi. I like watching him play. It's pretty fantastic. He's pretty rad. Have you ever heard of a footballer named Adam Johnson? From the from the U.S.? Mm-mm. No? That's an American name, isn't it? Kind of. Well, right. British. Okay, no. Tomato, tomato. No. Um, well, he played for Manchester City. He's a winger. Oh, that's right. Um, for Manchester City and Sunderland. Um, and he made the news a couple years ago. Um, because, well, actually in 2016, he received a sentence, um, for sexual acts with someone under the age of consent. Now in Great Britain, the age of consent is 16. So, so it's like lewd acts with a minor. Yeah. So it was with a 15 year old. Um, and so he had a, he got a six year sentence. Um, but in addition to the six year sentence, it's six years plus four months. Um, and the four months was because of a certain type of kiss. Can you guess what type of kiss it is? Ha <laughs> <laughs> Yes, precisely. Um, they, they made out. Well, actually, I, I think in the court documents it says four months for kissing um, someone with tongue. <laughs> I'm slightly confused. So what were the three years for? Oh, the, the other years were for, I guess there were other things that were done, but I, I found it really interesting that one could receive a prison sentence for four kissing months. with... For kissing with tongue. Yeah. Is kissing with tongue sex? If we had music to cue, that's it would cue right now. <laughs> um, that's weird, dude. Yeah, well, let's, let's take a step back. Um, that's weird. Do you know, why do we call it a French kiss, do you know? I did a little research, so this is baiting. Is, is it similar to the French fry? Kind of. No. Awesome. I, don't, right. I have no idea about French fries. Why do we call them French fries? I don't know either. They, they'd be they, Frenched, I think, when you cut them the way that you do. It's a French cut. Oh. That's my only guess. No, that makes sense. Yeah, like French cut uh, green beans. Right. Which, who buys those? But French kissing. <laughs> French kissing is different. Um, uh, no. We, we call it French kissing because um, in the early- One provocative movie. Maybe, no, not go necessarily. Ahead, in, the early, go ahead, go in the early 20th century, uh, the French sort of had a reputation for being um, more sexually promiscuous and exploratory and passionate. Hmm. Um, and so when one considers a normal kiss, like you would give your mother, compared to the... We call that the peck. The peck, yes. Um, compared to a French kiss. Um, the I, French won't, kiss I won't do the noises for that one. <laughs> the French kiss is more of a... Uh, a passionate one. Um, I actually looked up the French. They don't call it a French kiss. That would um, be so awkward. And they don't. And 
Like there was part of me that was like, do they just call it a kiss? But yeah. like they don't do that to their moms. That's gross. Um, but it's it's un un basier amoureux amoureux. I hear amour. Un, un beiger, I, I hear amoureux. I hear, I hear love in there. I think. Um, which is uh, a love kiss. A love kiss. That's what they call it. Excellent. Um, but. So there are different there are different ways to show affection, right? I yeah. love this podcast. <laughs> There's different ways to show affection, um, and apparently some of those ways of showing affection are sexual intrinsically, and some of them are not. Um, and so the, I guess that sort of takes us back to that question I asked before we started um, parsing what a French kiss <laughs> is and what is that. Um, but yeah, what what is sex? Because I think in our Bible classes, one of the things we say to the teenagers is like, uh, well, naturally, because the scripture, sex is for a particular context with particular mm. a particular person. I almost said people. We're not yeah. Solomon. Yeah. Um, for a particular Ooh. person. <laughs> um, so then, what is sex? Ready to go. Uh, right. So the simple answer is, is coitus. Coitus. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, a man and woman doing things with birds and bees, mm-hmm. and little storks come with babies. Yeah, is that, mm-hmm. is that, I believe that's that, exactly what happens. That that's how my kids showed up. Yeah, so I think uh, I think yeah, when we talk sex, at least in my ninth grade class, that comes up in our ethics, our ethics portion. Mm. Um, if we talk about the act of sex, yeah, right, it's, it's getting down to it. Yeah, I would. How many? Okay, you probably don't get these exact words anymore, but the the phrasing that I had um, when I was growing up um, was, how far is too far, Mr. Youth Pastor, Mr. Bible Teacher? I, I still get that question. Yeah. Yeah. And so the the thing is, when there is that question, right, um, I think in Christian culture, it's really easy to say sex is intercourse. Yep. Um, or sex is when the clothes are off and things are being done with genitals. Yeah, which um, which unintentionally sends the message that I received growing up, which was meant then that everything else is on the table. Right. There's one thing that you you just can't do. Right. And it's and it's even uh, from a cultural standpoint, uh, I think a lot of us receive that message in the Christian culture that this actually might be the biggest sin. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. So and so we just we hear don't do it. Um, but we don't really explore or no pun intended or have, have the discussion about boundaries and what is, what's okay and what's not. And even the why, like why, why is it not okay? Cause I think one of the things that I fear with my students, um, cause you know, we're, we don't, we don't have students who are ignorant of everything they, they've mm-hmm. tasted some life. And so when this discussion comes up, there's definitely some students in the room who have, who have participated mm-hmm. and they have social media. So they've probably seen and they've seen it or they've seen their friends. I mean, it's just, it's weird. I, yeah. I, I, and, I don't and, understand that right now. <laughs> and if the statistical, if the statistics are true, then most of them have watched it right on some sort of media. Yeah. 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 And so I, I think, I think when we tell them, when we just start the subject kind of in the old school way and even just saying, don't and don't do it, you know, the kids that have seen it or have engaged it there, you know, there's this, um, question I think rightfully so they should ask is kind of like the why like but wait it it feels good and it's fun and it's mm-hmm. and so it kind of like messes with their brains and we just do it that way um, yeah and I, I think it's without probably, setting up those boundaries right? yeah it's probably also important to draw the attention to um, those of us who are I guess uh, those of us who are adults or older more mature yeah. human beings um, <laughs> grown, we, grown boys grown grown boys and girls um, 
I think it's easy to look down our nose at students and say, like, why, why can't they just have self-control mm. and wait? Um, but the teenagers are why in a... Didn't, why didn't we when we yeah, were... Yeah, exactly. And teenagers, <laughs> they're in a particularly interesting um, social, cultural setting. One, um, I don't know what my teenage years would have looked like had the technology of today oh, been gosh, around. Chris. I think uh, I, I've, the last few years, I've said this so much to my students, but um, there seems to be this, uh, you know, I'm... I'm I recently had a birthday. I'm 43 now. There seems to be like this phrase that a lot of us in this stage of life, you know, oh, if I could go back or, you know, I'd give anything to go back. And man, I can be straight up and tell you, I don't want to go back. Yeah. I wouldn't. And it's, and it's because of technology. Right. I would not want to deal with life the way that these students have to. Yep. And it scares me for them. In addition to the <laughs> technology being, I, the seventies might be a weird exception. Um, but like culturally just sex is everywhere. Right. Um, even the way that we consume TV is no longer um, sort of policed by the masses yeah. because of like before it was like, OK, what's on TGIF? Right. right? What's not we're, we're going to watch Family Matters and Step by Step and Full House because that's what's on Friday night. Um, but these students, they open up Netflix and they get to whatever they want. Yeah, they get to watch whatever they want. Yeah. Um, Especially as teenagers say, mom and dad, turn off the parental controls. I'm a teenager now. Right. Um, and then if you're on Netflix alone at night, then you become exposed to new things. So, I mean, I think the media um, has set them up for a much more difficult time. Mm. But also, um, I think there's a reason that in Jewish culture, a person becomes a man or a woman at 13. Mm. Um, and uh, because as as teenagers, they're sort of entering like some of their most like sexually peaked years yeah. um, in their teens and maybe even the early 20s. But as the marriage age gets pushed further and further back. I talk to my um, seniors and we talk about marriage in our class and the, a lot of them say, I want to get married maybe when I'm 30. Yeah. Um, so we're telling them um, all of that sexual energy that you have as a teenager in early 20s or whatever. Bottle it up until you're around midlife. Right. And then, and if you act on those urges or desires, um, you are discussing filthy and evil, potentially bad. going to hell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And even though, like, with good theology, you would say you're not going to hell. The the eyes. No, but that in we their mind. Them, no, yeah. in their mind. Yeah. And the guilt. The guilt that that affects us all. Like, right. We all experience it. Those little voices. Right. Um, yeah. 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 And so 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 navigate until you're married. Try to navigate this world. Mm-hmm. Um, try not to consume any sort of uh, you know sexual messages that's going to influence you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then good luck. Exactly. Wow. So we should change the discussion. Is that kind of what <laughs> yeah. we're saying here? Is like yeah. how, how we talk about it and what we talk about? And Yeah. And for, for those of you who, for whom uh, red flags are now going up being like, <laughs> <laughs> let's, just, let's just allow teenagers to do whatever they want. Um, no, that's not what we're saying at all. No. But I, I do think that we at least need to acknowledge the difficulty yeah. um, that these young people are experiencing. Yeah. The weird world that they live in and the waters that they do have to navigate um, and soberly acknowledge that. Yeah, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna pause there, Chris, and um, I'm gonna give a little nugget for all. This is for all of us, mm-hmm. right? And this isn't because I somehow know all this information, but I think I think we all need to hear this. Um, it's probably really good of us uh, adults if we could stop just harping on social media and their devices and their technology, and just tell them to stop. Hmm. Um, does, does that make sense? Hmm. Um, I think sometimes when we have the sex talk or e- even kind of anything, um, one of the things 
that we will quickly do as adults is we'll, we'll go into, and you hear parents all the time, oh, if I could just get my kid to detach from the phone or this. And those might be truthful statements, but to a kid, all they hear is, wow, this person doesn't understand me. Hmm. So I, I even just even think just starting the conversation, um, it's not about technology yet. Technology right. is enhancing it right. and making it more accessible. Yeah. Um, but that's not the heart of the conversation. Right. And, and I'm... I'm throwing that out there as someone who has learned the hard way. Um, I see, it seems like if I start or lead any sort of discussion that might be a, a a debate or an argument with a student, if I lead with that topic, they begin to tune out. Right. And so, how do we how do we start the conversation without going into that? Yeah, and well, I think Does that makes sense. Yeah. is that okay that I yeah threw that's that good. out there? And I think the way that we start is we kind of follow the model that Jesus hmm. gave, which was. Um, He said, you have heard it said, but I say, and what he does in Matthew chapter five, I think it's seven times he, he uses that construct. Um, he points to the fact that we need to look at the internal conditions of our hearts. What, what is under the surface? What's really going on inside of there? Now, um, when it comes to the issue of sexuality, um, some of it has nothing to do with the heart, right? Some of it has to do with the physiology, right? What? Your your body, dopamine yeah. and oxytocin and flesh, right. and nerve endings. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I, I think of. Uh, the, did you ever see the movie Capex? No, but I I definitely remember that name. Yeah. Is it an alien film? Yeah, it was a it was an alien film, but it was like we you're not you're not sure if the guy's an alien the whole time. It's Kevin okay. Spacey. He says he's oh, yeah, from yeah, yeah. the planet Capex. Yeah, um, but he's in an insane asylum. He might just be nuts. Yeah, he yeah. might just be crazy. Um, but, um, he talks about what, um, reproduction is like on his planet K-Pax and it's like, um, it takes about 30 something hours and it's a nauseating experience. Um, (laughs) and it's like painful and excruciating. Um, and so to an extent, like physiologically, I'm very thankful that when it came to reproduction, God was gracious and said, Hey, why don't you enjoy this process? Um, and, and so he's like built that into our bodies, um, and so then, yeah, naturally, <laughs> like there, there's a couple sizes. One, we want to check the heart, yeah. right? Because sex, um, I don't think the only reason that students are attracted to sex is because of physiology. Now, yeah. that's a big thing, yeah. but it's not the only reason. Hmm. Um, I, I think another reason that, that teenagers are attracted to that is um, because of those chemicals, the, the feeling of acceptance, the feeling of being known, mm. um, whether it's with that person that they're engaging in these acts with, or if it's like being part of a community that is engaging in this, yeah. the, that feeling of belonging and yeah. acceptance sort of comes along with sure. it. And there's a reward always with it right. because of those hormones. Yeah, exactly. Right? And so it's it's not just something that is like, well, if you would just control yourself, but it's also like, okay, what's, what's in your heart that is pushing you to feel like you Mm. like need to do this as well. Yeah. 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 And then I think the other thing that, um, where I start with my students, so I just, you know, again, I did that. We have this talk with ninth graders and it, it's my least favorite, like lesson that we get to discuss, but probably the one with the most fruit at the Mm. end, the students, boys and girls, um, so even just to get a ninth grade boy to talk is pretty rad. But, yeah. but they, they both say – both sides will say, man, this was so informative because they, they've only heard the no, right? right? And so as we begin talking about the heart, um, the, the place I want to go with the students is, is the kind of the, the why. Yeah. Like the why, why now? And let's, let's talk about that. Like, um, so it is good and it is 
it's actually really good and it's incredible. And when you do it within the context of of marriage and of, of how, again, we kind of go back to like whether or not we're going to allow God to define life or we're going to define it for ourselves. Right. And so when we allow God to define sex within the context of marriage, it seems like like there are other issues that we don't have to worry about. Right. Um, and so... And I think that's the area and that's the discussion with my students that has the most fruit because it's just things that aren't on their radar. And mm-hmm. I think one of the things that we know both anecdotally from working with students as long as we have but also just from from reading um, like developmental psychologists, like um, they don't necessarily have the ability to be thinking like super abstract and thinking about the future. And mm-hmm. for some reason, especially as boys, um, I don't know if that's an overgeneralization, but for some reason it just seems like it's hard for us to think about – consequences are things that we're doing now and how they affect later. Mm. And so I think to have that gentle discussion, not not fear-based, not shame-based discussion when we're talking about sex, but just the like, hey, guys, here's some things to think about, about for your future. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if we want to jump yeah. into some of those things. Well, yeah, or... and I, I think that another important thing that I found was not just about like the future because – I feel like even back when I was in youth group, that was one of the main messages mm. is like you need to think about your future spouse. You yeah. need to think about what the future is going to be like. Um, and But there is a here and now component. Right. There is also a here and now component mm. to it. And I, I was listening to a sermon a few years ago by Timothy Keller. Yeah. Um, and he – He's, I think he's on, he's in New York City, um, at a church in New York City, at a church where there are a lot of like professionals, mm-hmm. right? And intellectual, intelligent people. And to be in that sort of context and say, save sex for marriage, um, in the big city, it, that's, that's kind of an unpopular message, yeah. but he still counterintuitive. Pre- yeah. He, he preached this message that one of the insights he had, and it really struck me. Um, and he said that, that sexuality without, Lifelong, long-term commitment is marketing. Um, and Ooh. yeah, he really unpacks that idea, which um, the more teenagers that I talk to who have like fallen into sexual sin, um, that's really what ends up surfacing um, is that they wanted to continue having sex or they wanted to engage in sex because it's what would keep that other person around, because it's what would make that other person love them, because it's what would make them desirable. Um and when sex is reduced to marketing, yeah. um, then no longer is it this thing that, right, if God designed it for intimacy between two people as, right. an, as an expression of love between two people, then if you're doing it to keep someone else around, that, that doesn't sound like an authentic, honest expression of love. No. It, it turns into a bartering chip, right? Wow. How do my I keep mind, My mind's around? racing. And then – to go to the future now with that. And so yeah. then so, – so not only does that affect my here and now as a teenager and mess me up and, and keep me in relationships that I shouldn't be in or searching for relationships I shouldn't necessarily be in. And by be in, I don't mean necessarily just in some sort of yes, no, do this, don't do that, but be in meaning in a healthy like human kind of way. Um, what happens when I take that into my marriage? Right. And so now sex in marriage becomes a bartering chip. Right. Um, it becomes transactional. Yeah. Right. And this this will speak truth, not just to teenagers, but Dude. like. Yeah. All you, all you married couples listening. <laughs> yeah. So many. Those so, patterns you get into. So much of the um, the marriage literature, I even feel like within Christianity, sort of paints these 
overgeneralizations that that men <laughs> men are animals that need we sex need it. and then so women, women you better give it to us and or then, else we're going to go sow our wild oats right and then if if the women provide men with the sex then the men provide the women with the the shelter and the security and the emotional love, whatever. I don't um, know why my wife married a high school Bible teacher then. <laughs> um, zing. Zing. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, there's this, um, those, like that understanding doesn't just change the way that um, teenagers look at it. But yeah, if it's, if it's a transaction, then mm. married couples who are having sex in the right context are probably missing out on what sex is meant to be. Totally. If it's just... Um, this person wants it. I want to keep them around. Right. And that probably explains wow. why some people hit their forties. Um, and uh, like the divorce rate spikes once the kid moves out. Right. Um, because at that point, they've like you're never, tired, they've you're, never been satisfied. Right. And you're tired of the transaction. Dude. I, I even think about that, Chris, like within the context of our, our students who are so compartmentalized, who, um, you know, they, they live very fragmented lives. Um, if they have the kind of traditional idea in their mind of just don't do, don't have sex. Let's say, let's say they're even trying to like not do that, but they, everything else is on the table and it's just transaction. Mm. I well, I can do this for you, right? right. I can't do this because God, because of God, but I can do this for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It becomes a transaction. Yep. It's a, it's a substitute. Right. And if we go back to that, I can't give you real sugar. So here's, here's equal. <laughs> here's equal. <laughs> um, <laughs> It, I think if if we go back to that original question, then how far is too far? Uh, that that question, oftentimes when students ask that question, I say, well, you're totally missing the point. Yeah. Right. Um, now, don't don't get me wrong. There there probably are lines. Um, that, right. Like you should <laughs> right. not cross this line. I'm uh, a parent. I have right. two kids. You have a daughter. Yeah. Yes, we we will teach lines. Yeah. Kid, kid, <laughs> Maybe even walls. And even even for um, effective development, um, yeah. there we require boundaries. I'm, I'm reading through um, Richard Rohr's falling upward. Um, and he talks about this idea of needing a creative tension and he sort of alludes to what Paul, um, what, how Paul plays with the ideas of freedom and the law, Mm. um, and how both of them are really necessary for, for spiritual growth. Mm. I mean, then he sort of points to what we've been talking about with Jesus, um, how he can say, okay, I'm not here to throw out the law. I'm here to fulfill it, to complete it. And that has a whole rabbinic tradition yeah, behind it. I'm here yeah. to properly interpret what the law is about. Um, and, I, and the law is good. We need to keep it. But then he goes on to say, you've heard the law say, but instead. Yeah. Um, and he kind of seems to throw it out. So there's this sort of creative tension that exists between setting those boundaries um, and, and, and the, the law. But then yeah. also this sort of freedom that, that focuses on the internal conditions of our heart and acting right. in that way. So that the law actually allows us to have those boundaries to exist in freedom, right. not to take it from us. Right. And, right? Then, and then to grow spiritually yeah. as yeah. a result. And so even, the, even that idea of like, I didn't, like you've heard it said this, but this, I, you know, I, I think a real simple thing for me as I hear Jesus saying that is like, yeah, you guys have been reading this, but but your interpretation's weird. Right. Your interpretation's weird. Like you're you're not taking into consideration the author of the law. Yeah. So let me I'm here now. Right. <laughs> right. I'm here now. Let's let's chat. And so like I think even with the sex talk, it's it's the same. Hey, you guys have, have heard us Christians and us adults say like don't, don't, don't. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 talk about the heart. Right. right. And so, that's what Jesus does in Matthew chapter five, is he says, You've totally. heard it said, don't commit adultery. Don't sleep with someone who's not your spouse, which like, okay, that cool. That's cool. Yeah. But then he says, But I tell you instead, like, don't even lust. 
next after yeah. someone else. And what he's not trying to do is set this um, impossible bar so that people feel guilty yes. every time they receive some sort of chemical you, pop. Yeah, um, <laughs> you, just, you can you can reach perfection by just yeah, just cutting doing your hand things off. and not doing things. Right, but but rather, I think what he's doing is saying. If you really want to not have a problem with adultery, then let's look at what's going Check on inside yourself. of your heart. Yeah. Right? Let's look at the way that you objectify other humans. Let's look at the way that you um, wrongly view sexuality as something mm. that's transactional that you can take from another person. Mm. Um, yeah, and I mean you see that a lot in the Old Testament right. with um, – like even with Sodom, um, you, you know, the, the, the sin there, like sex was being used as power right. and, and rape and um, – Again, redefining something that was that was given to us pretty good in the beginning, yeah. and just deciding for ourselves that we're gonna we're gonna redefine it. Right, and I think what both Jesus and Paul are it's doing, up. yeah, <laughs> but what both of them are doing by acknowledging both the law and the freedom, I think that they're um, sort of pointing to this this reality that I, recently I was listening to Peter Rollins talk about. Um, the idea of prohibition, and I'm not exactly sure what to do with this. So hopefully, this <laughs> is a right. conversation starter. Right. Um, but but the idea that it is it is the prohibition itself that creates desire. Mm. Um, when God tells well, that Adam, resonates and, with me. Yeah, when God tells Adam and Eve, "Don't eat of the tree," he like is probably full knowing, like with full knowledge, setting them up to want the tree. Yeah. Right. Um, when when I'm we sure you are opening up some. <laughs> yeah. When we tell teenagers don't have sex, all we're doing is saying you really want yeah. sex. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be doubly fun because you're going against the will of the adults. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, and if we want, like, if we wanted to boost our um, podcast ratings among our teenagers um, at our school, we should just probably every class be like, "Hey, guys, make sure you don't listen to our podcast. Like, right. it's really don't ever listen to it's us. It's really important that you don't listen." To this. I think that one might backfire. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, interesting. So if that's, I, but if that's the case, then I think that this is why Jesus and Paul are genius. Is because, mm. like, when Paul drops this bomb, everything is permissible, right? And like, that's literally what he's saying: Dude, is right? everything is permissible. And we're like, well, that's Jewish hyperbole, or maybe he doesn't really mean it. But he's saying everything's permissible. And what he does is he robs the temptation yep, of yep. its of its desirability with with the uh, especially when he says like but it's not good yeah it's, it's not, not beneficial it's not benefit yeah go out and do it I mean isn't that Ecclesiastes right yeah yep yeah, go out and do it yeah chase the wind those things are there yeah chase the wind if you want but uh, when you realize that it's totally bankrupt yeah if 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 life is your goal <laughs> if your goal is to live. And, and be human the way that we were designed, then you'll find out hopefully quickly yeah. without too much damage to self and to others yeah. that uh, not everything is beneficial. Right. Dude, that's uh, at least half my life. Yeah. And and to cover <laughs> – this is not just to cover our Botoxes, um, but like what we're not saying is then therefore in your Bible classes teach – Students, go have as much sex as you want so that you can learn your lesson. Right. Um, but rather, I think it, it's more something that's important for us to hold into, into our mentality um, is I think that um, sometimes in our prohibition of things, it's our, it's our own fear mm. um, that is fueling that prohibition. Mm. And so I think it's really important to keep that thing in check because um, if the Apostle John um, has anything to say in his first letter, it, it seems – like fear and love do not go they together. Cannot coexist, right? And he even says because fear has to do with punishment. Yeah. And if the way that we teach sexuality is be afraid, be afraid, be afraid, um, 
there's all sorts of potential harm that can come from that. Like scarlet letters. Right. Scarlet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, that's, yeah. It, it, yeah. It comes down to, again, how we understand God and his intention for humanity will influence absolutely all of our human interactions. Yeah. And so if I see God as, as a guy who's constantly, if he's the elf on the shelf, if he's constantly looking over my shoulder and saying, ha ha, you messed up again, then I'm going to teach sex that way. I'm going to teach human relations that way that you always got to be careful for this guy watching you. Yeah. But if I know that he has my best interest in mind mm-hmm. and that he's a good creator, yep. um, then maybe that there is a really healthy and beautiful treat waiting for us, especially when we're talking about sex. That there's right. something, it's not to be demonized, it's not to be ugly, but it's to, when used correctly, it can be beautiful. Right. So. As a recent graduate, what advice would you give to a Christian high schooler um, about setting sexual boundaries? Um, I would say as soon as you get into the relationships, like set them like right away, because if you wait, they'll just get past and like push past the boundaries. And once you get a car, don't go in the backseat. <laughs> uh, I would say set them right away, because if you don't and like you pass like the point where you wanted it in the beginning, then it'll probably, it'll be a lot harder to like stop or to like set those boundaries once you've already passed them. Um, any specifics on where those boundaries should be set? Um, I don't know. I think that as soon as like you get, uh, maybe like as soon as you get to a point where like you realize things will probably go further, just like don't go there ever again. I would say if you think that you're going to be tempted in the slightest way, don't do it. Um, if you see a situation that you can um, envision yourself messing up or even coming close to messing up, stay away from it. Because the more situations you put yourself in, you're raising the chances and rolling the dice that you're going to mess up. And so I feel like... What are some topics we yeah, can throw out? So we've, we've ideas. bounced around quite a bit, right? Yeah. Um, and so how about let's walk... I guess let's walk our listeners through yeah. what that might what look that like because because I think that I mean it's one thing to have this knowledge in your head but then because of social taboos yeah. whether it's within Christian culture um or if it's just in general like what is how do we interact with a student when they say okay well sexually how far is too far yeah um so where do you start with that question how far is too far well what I would usually start with is um, kind of like when people say, what does the Bible say? Right. <laughs> um, I'll initially sort of push back and say, okay, well, there's a there's a philosophy behind that question that you just asked. Whether um, you know it or not. Right. Yeah. And the philosophy that is behind that question is that there is a line. And mm. on one side of it is sin and on the other side is not sin. I'm still I'm still in heaven. Right. Right. I still have my ticket to get out of here. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so missing it, the point. It, it, we are missing the point if that's the question, because I think if we learn anything from Jesus, it is not to avoid crossing lines, but rather to have our entire heart renovated mm. so that we can then look like the son of man. Yeah, we can, we, right there, we can then be fully human. Amen. Um, and then so I would push the question back to them, like in regards to sexuality, what does it look like to be fully human? Hmm. What is it? You probably just get blank stares when yeah. you say that, right? Because you have to walk them through that. Right. And because to them, sexuality is not a good thing, right? Yeah. Sexuality is the bad thing that they want to do. It's like right. candy. Yeah. And right. it is a transaction. Yeah. And so there isn't necessarily long-term consequences or short-term consequences because right. it's just a transaction. 
So I know one of the things that we do in class is um, I start, and it, it becomes awkward, but we start with with talking about kind of why sex is good and it mm-hmm. should be good and God created it good. And so, um, I mean, you, you know the ninth grade curriculum. Yep. Um, and so we, we, we look at God's reasons for creating sex. Um, and then there's this really, I mean, it's, it's hard to argue with research. Right. Um, and it seems like a lot of Christianity sometimes it's, it seems like it's given to us just as feelings or emotional, you know, experiences. But when we have research that that tells us that that Christians are among the highest um, sexually satisfied people mm-hmm. on the planet. Now, um, that doesn't mean every Christian is having stellar sex necessarily. Right. Um, but but when we submit to God's purposes, and so as we alluded to about ten minutes ago, like there are Christians who are still doing transaction mm-hmm. sex in their marriage, and they've been doing that for decades. Right. Um, but when when we submit to God's design mm-hmm. um, and His definition of it, people are, are are sexually satisfied. And so, as awkward as it is. You know, I, I kind of ask my students that, like, who who wants that for their marriage? And I mean, you can imagine the giggles yeah. and chuckles, and you know, who's going to raise their hand first? But ultimately, they all will raise their hand. Yeah. Well, of course, I want that. Right. And so we start with like, here here is something that can be really good. So how do we kind of take those steps backwards? What am I doing now um, to ensure that? Um, right. And then even within that conversation, we you know we we leave room for. You know, those of you that have maybe made mistakes, like there's room for healing and yeah. forgiveness and that you don't, you're not carrying a scarlet letter. You don't right. necessarily have that. And so um, even if you have – if you've already messed up, you know, we, we can still achieve these things. Right. And then that's usually for me, I try to be pretty transparent. I, I'm the Bible teacher that did everything wrong. Mm-hmm. I often joke that, you know, the prodigal son story is about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so – Which is why we're a good team because I find that like yeah. my high school years, I was the Pharisee that did everything right and led worship and led Bible and studies I on Friday nights. And I would have wanted to fight you. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, so yeah, and so I, that's re- usually what I go into and say, you guys, you know, I, I, I'm in an amazing marriage. I, I love my queen, um, and, and things are pretty good. But man, let me let me tell you, because because one, I didn't listen. Because two, I don't think it was delivered to me correctly. And I'm not going to put that on somebody else. But the conversation wasn't had correctly, mm. and and therefore it didn't take root. But had I been listening to this kind of conversation in my youth, maybe I wouldn't have carried in the baggage into my marriage mm-hmm. that I did. Yeah, and, and so then that's why I kind of open up to transparency with them. That's good. And then there's that. That's why it's really important to emphasize that there is restoration, there yeah. is reconciliation, yeah. especially when so many of our students in this area are sort of dropping the ball and totally. Failing. And I one of the things I, and I want to let you go there really quick, but one of the things I love doing is is highlighting the restoration part, like. The fact that I learned more about grace and mercy um, and forgiveness, I learned about those attributes of God through my wife, through my queen, mm-hmm. like because she's still, in spite of the things maybe that I have done, the, the things that I brought to the table, mm-hmm. in spite of those things, she still looked at me and loved me and said, yes, I want to be with you forever. Yeah. Like what an awesome thing to be able to share with the kids. Right. You know what I mean? And like this is this, uh, this also turned out good for me. But man, I could have I could have prevented a lot of this, right? right? Yeah. Yep. So. <laughs> and, and even though there was that restoration and reconciliation, there's still so much need oh for gosh. work in the process. There were probably <laughs> like nights of tears and of hard conversations and years, heartbreak, years of tears, yeah. and good counseling, and yeah, and and all of those things that were sort of necessary because of what what is brought yeah, to the table. Yeah. Um, and so, 
I think that the student asks the question, how far is too far? We respond and say, okay, well, that's the wrong question. Yeah. What does it look like to treat sex, sex in the right way? And then we can talk about why it's good. Yeah. Um, and then after they understand why sexuality is good and why, how God designed it originally, we can look at the future and say, okay, how do, how do we protect that? And we can also look at the present and say, this is why whatever you engage in now, not only is it harming the future, but you're missing the point and potentially – like tainting the goodness by learning yeah. transactional sexuality. Um, but then they might still push back and then be like, okay, well then, well then what's sex, right? Yeah. Uh, it, how far is too far? The reason actually guys, the reason we're even talking about this is because um, one of our listeners actually wrote in a, a question asking about this. And um, in college, we used to call them Nickmos. Um, I think that, I don't know if that would just apply to us, but NICMO stands for non-committal makeout, um, which is why we started with French kissing is because yeah. to what extent is making out sexual? Yeah. Should I read this, this uh, message we got? Sure. Go for it. So, uh, hey, Wayne, I want to put in a request for you and Chris to do a podcast on sexual boundaries. While that was not really a struggle for me in high school, other than porn, I've recently witnessed myself and my friends struggle with or give in to lustful temptations, and it has been quite confusing. Like, never saw making out with someone you don't know as a good thing, but now I'm not so sure there's anything harmful in it. I imagine the topic is a hot one for high schoolers, too. Right. So, yeah, yeah. So, so this person, a uh, good friend of, of mine, is saying that in high school he had the kind of traditional boundaries, right. and but now is wondering, like, are those boundaries man-made? Is it right. is that from God? Is this good? Is it? What's right. the big deal in hooking up with someone if, it, if you're just making out? Right. You know, if it's just net Netflix and chill actually implies all the way. Yeah. So if it's just Netflix and make out, <laughs> <laughs> which kind of gets back to that question again, like when our students and so so you you mentioned that so. We define what's good. We kind of like, here's God's best. Right. Here's what God's looking at. And so now they're like, okay, so Mr. Seals, but uh, you know, I'm dating such and such, and she goes to my church. Um, what do you think we can yeah. do? What? How far can we go? Right. And for, to that, I would push back and say, um, okay, what happens in your mind and in your heart when you go to first base? Um, what happens in your mind and your heart when you go to second base? I even I remember having a conversation recently mm. with a student about uh, dancing on the dance floor in. Mm. Um, we, we go to, we're teachers at a Christian school where we have dances. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that a lot of Christian schools don't probably to avoid this issue. Um, but there's that weird line of like, when does it become grinding? Mm -hmm. When does it become sex with clothes on? Mm -hmm. Um, and when is it just like moving your body to a fat beat? Right. Do you feel really old having this discussion right now? A little bit, yeah. But there's there's reason we've been right. talking about it. And so to what, at what point does it become a sex act? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I even, um, like trying to tease out like what is the motive behind it? I'm like, well, okay, is it um, is it right or wrong if you uh, dance this way? Is it right or wrong? What if you climax while dancing? <laughs> Gross. Um, yeah, is is that wrong? Yeah, right, because you still have your clothes on. It's just dancing. Um, so basically, you're showing them that their line is ridiculous, yeah. and that this whole idea of what is too far again is probably missing the point. Right. It's ridiculous, and so. Um, do you explain to them what's going on physiologically? Yeah. Um, and then how we're making those connections and right. dopamine, oxytocin, all those, all those things, the, the pleasure centers and the bonding centers are both occurring. And yeah. if, if you have taught the sex unit in your high school Bible class, I'm sure that you've used a similar metaphor, but like sex is sort of like this, this glue that puts two people together and then you can pull it apart. 
um, and then there's part of you that yep. sort of is you missing. can break up, you can be expelled and go to a different school, right. you can move out of the state, and you are still bonded to that person. Right. Yep. And there's restoration and reckon- sure. like all of that sort of stuff, but then you still have to deal with the the pieces of your life that you kind of not pieces of your life, but pieces of you that you sort of yeah. gave away and pieces of intimacy that that are no longer exclusive between you and someone else. Right. And then the baggage that that brings. And so I'll just I'm just going to hit this really quick and and um I I do spend more time in the future. So we talk about the here and now, hmm. but I do spend more time in the future and I, I'm not trying to do it as guilt and shame, just more as reality check. And hmm. so here, here, here are some things that you have to deal with in the future. So you, you, you find the spouse, you're going to be married forever. And now if you are both have had pasts, which is pretty normal nowadays, um, now you get to think about a, a whole number of things. Do I please her as much as the other person did? Mm. Um, does he does he enjoy me as much as he enjoyed his other girlfriend? Right. Um, I mean, so you have all those comparison things in the mind, um, and I think the, I think that guilt and <laughs> just dark enemy loves to jump in and mess with us there. Right. You have potential. Um, uh, physical things that you're bringing to to your relationship right. with with disease and this and that and um, potentially unwanted pregnancies. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine getting a knock on the door like, "Hey, I'm your daughter," and just you know, because you right. had a you had a one night and they and these all sound like these big tragic things. But I think when we have it in the, this this conversation, the context of relationship with our students, we're being open and honest. We've already kind of defined God's view of it. These things become reality. Mm. You know, we have those discussions and I get to tell my students, my biggest regret in marriage is, is, is having to look my wife in the face and say, man, I didn't wait. I didn't think about you. Hmm. And although, you know, I might've been young and dumb and stupid, those things still at 43, those things are still a part of our marriage at times. We still have to have those conversations. Unfortunately, for the most part, there's not really a delete button um, of the memories and experiences. No, and praise God. Yeah. You know, I I forget some stuff, but but the reality is that's there. And and so I take it to a a whole other level with my students and, and I, I try my hardest just from my heart. And at this point in the year too, this is, they've been with me almost a full year. So again, this is all in the context of like, they know that I love them. Right. Um, but I'm able just to say like, guys, so here's the reality then. That means that there is a woman married out there whose husband, I need to say like, I'm sorry to, right. because I know things about them right. or vice versa. Um, and so the person that you're dating right now in high school, um, statistics will, will just tell us like, highly unlikely that y'all are going to stay together, right? right? I'm even a jerk, actually, like first day of school. I tell kids, look around for your future ex-boyfriend, future (laughs) ex-girlfriend. I'm just a jerk like that, you know? Um, (laughs) But the reality is it's not going to stick. And so you're dating somebody else's wife right Mm. now. That's... I don't know if that's too heavy for them, but that really seemed to click for a lot mm-hmm. of them. Or you're, you know, you're dating somebody's. This is someone's daughter. Right. This is this is somebody's son. This is somebody's future husband. Somebody's future mm-hmm. wife. So what does it look like? Like back to the boundary question. What does it look like to date and have fun and explore relationship, um, all while respecting mm-hmm. um, the image of God in the other person yeah. and respecting the humanity in the other person? Yeah. And that might be too open ended and too ambiguous for a student to come to a conclusion on their own, but. Right. But we can hold their hand and walk them through it there and it say, um, I feel like a lot of our job as high school teachers, I, unfortunately, um, we, I have a friend who's a biology teacher at a public school, and he was saying, unfortunately, a lot of the brain research is seeming to show that everything we teach them, for the most part, isn't going to be deeply internalized or held on to. 
but rather we're sort of providing the scaffolding so that they can learn and think and emote in the future. And so hopefully, yeah. (laughs) So a lot of what we do in the class, yes, they're going to memorize a Bible verse and they're going to know some theology and there's going to be tidbits that they come out with. But to a large extent, what we're doing is teaching them how to think Mm -hmm. and in their adolescent years, they're learning who they are. Yeah. Um, And so if what we can do is then ask the sorts of questions that force them to then look at their motive, to then look at why are they doing things, to look at um, what might be the repercussions of their actions be and how much do they actually care about those repercussions? Am I respecting myself? Am I respecting somebody else? Like those kind of ideas. And and I think that it might be – easy to throw out a one-liner like that to students, but really pushing them because right. I, I find that they have their default responses, sure. um, but they really need time and space to look in there and be like, why do I do these things? Why, mm-hmm. why is that something I desire? And so providing space for them to think, okay, what does happen inside of me when we make out? Mm-hmm. Um, what happens inside of me when we round first base, mm. what happens inside of me when we hold hands or when we go to the movies together, because it's in asking those questions, like it's them that they bring into their marriage. Right. Right. It's yeah. their, their thoughts, their feelings, their, their self. And that I love that you in. said that too. Like our, you know, our, our goal, uh, you know, our job again is, is to, is to provide critical thinking skills, right. To, to, to give them the tools so they can navigate mm-hmm. uh, and then giving them opportunities to navigate those things. Right. And relational intelligence yeah. and emotional yeah. intelligence. And so along those lines, one of the things that I do in my class, um, um, one, um, we have them talk about marriage and they write about it. You know, what do they want in their spouse? And there's something about, accessing that information in your brain and writing it down and actualizing, you know, like seeing it and saying, okay, that this is what I want. Hmm. So if this is what I want, what am I doing now? That is whether it's getting, I mean, it's, it's simple, like goal strategy, goal right? Yeah. Um, but it's like, if this is who I want or what I want, or, you know, even having them reflect on what kind of spouse do I want to be? Right. And, and a ninth grader, you know, some of us might say, oh, no, ninth graders don't know crap. They've watched enough television. They've right. seen good and bad relationships. They, ha- they watch their parents. They're watching us constantly. They know what relationships are good and bad. They know what they're going to bring into their, into, into their marriage even now. So they can start thinking about that. And then the other thing, and it seems like I do this more with the boys, um, and this is what I will do with my son, um, but there's something about keeping your future at the forefront of your mind. Uh, again, especially for us boys, we're so in the moment sometimes. Um, and so you've heard this idea probably, and some might think it's a little old-fashioned, but writing letters to your future spouse or you know, you know, keeping that person at the forefront of your mind, there's something that that does to your here and now, hmm. right? And so as we teach them the respect skills and we teach them the critical thinking skills, having them actually apply it to their life. Right. Yeah. And if they do that, then when they think about making out or when they think about kissing or holding hands or whatever it is that they're thinking about um, or second base or third base, which I don't know if there's a standardized base system, but, um, (laughs) but but there's different podcasts. Yeah. Um, but as, as they think about each of those things, then what they're forced to do is consider the future, consider what's going on inside of them, consider their motives as, as opposed to the filter that just says me, 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 what can I get? Cause that Chris, that's how I grew up. Right. What could I get from her? 
Right. I mean, it feels gross even saying that out loud, but I yeah. think it was the transaction. Yep. And what could I get from them? And that same mentality is in the question, even though it might seem like a I love God and I don't want to mm, sin question. The boundary? The, yeah, the boundary. No, it's what can I get? Is, what can I get? What can I get? Without having to deal it, with guilt. Look, let's be honest. That's what we, all of us do um, at some point in our Christianity. What is the bare minimum I have to do? Like, so that, like, if this thing is true, what's the bare minimum I got to do to ensure that I'm in? Right. Whether it's yep. sex, whether it's. Any other of sins, all these things, like yeah. we do with everything. Yeah, and and I think um, one of the things that was brought to my mind is um, I never I didn't see the interview, but I think it was you or our former um, coworker and friend Michael um, who told me about an interview with a porn star, mm. um, and she was saying that for her, like kissing is the most sexual act. And like, so this is a person who for her living engages in intercourse with other people. And for her, the most like intimate sexual thing is, Mm. is a kiss. Right. And so, um, I, I find that to be really revelatory of the need for self-analysis yeah. um, and what is what is sacred, what is important, what are you doing, mm. um, what's really going on inside of you when you ask these which line can I cross questions. Yeah. And so, I mean, we, we say this a lot, um, but this is clearly not an exhaustive dealing of the topic of sexuality or boundaries or yeah. lines. Um, but our hope is that in this, it, it sort of starts some of those conversations and sparks some questions and ideas um, where you can then, ex- I guess, think about the way that we teach this subject to teenagers, to the next generation. Yeah. And, 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 and really, you know, if you've heard anything that we, we've, we've talked about in this podcast, that you, I think what you hear often is just how, how we frame the discussion. Mm-hmm. What is the starting point of the discussion? Because it is, it's so important to the discussion. It's so important to the student, like, how they're going to receive it. Um, if they hear, if, if it's framed correctly, so to right. speak. And so, um, I think one of, one of the big trends right now in, in, in the last couple of decades in Christianity of deconstructing and just kind of everything is up, um, for asking questions. I think that there is something really beautiful about that, mm. that we want to continue to look, what is the most effective way to communicate these things? Right. Just because we've always said, don't have sex doesn't mean that we have to keep saying it the same way. Right. Um, the message can say the same, like the heart of the message can say the same, but the, the way we package it. And I think... Um, I think that is that's probably a thread in almost all of our podcasts. Right. It's just how, how do we package it in such a way that the kids are hearing it, that it's new and it's refreshing, mm-hmm. um, but that the same, you know, timeless truth that's in it right. um, can be received, so that they they too can experience growth yeah. and maturity. And if, and if we're talking about timeless truth, then we can look at Genesis one and Revelation twenty one and see shalom. There it is. Right. And so even the content of the message. The content of the message isn't don't have sex. The content of the message is God desires shalom for yeah, us. Yeah, have um, life and, and it, <laughs> to its and fullest. In, and in regards to sexuality, here's what that looks like. Yeah. Um, do you want shalom or do you want to disrupt it or miss out on it? That's so, and that's, that resonates. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think I teach this way, Chris, cause it's the way I wanted it to be taught. Yep. You know? Yeah. So, now that's a that's a, there's a good one. Teach teach kids the way that you should have been taught. Right, and hopefully in the process, um, you realize that shalom should be central to all of it. Yeah.